0: Rally. He was the keynote speaker at this anti-God rally in Kiev. And uh, for an hour, he just laid into Christianity and, and told all of these reasons why Christianity couldn't possibly be true. And he was mean and, and vulgar and ruthless. And he was also very intelligent. But Over the course of the hour, you could just see the audience deflating and becoming more and more discouraged. A lot of the people that were there were were people of faith, But, but he spoke and he spoke and he was vigorous at the end of the hour. Questions arose, hoping that people would ask questions about why their faith wasn't true and and maybe denounce Christianity at the end of this meeting. But the first person that asked permission to speak was an old priest. And instead of facing and he turned around and faced the audience. And he gave the famous Easter greeting. He said, he is risen. And immediately the audience rose to their feet and said, he is risen Indeed. There are a lot of people and a lot of institutions and a lot of things over the years that have sought to come between you and your faith in Jesus Christ. And there are a lot of things that are going to try to come between you and your faith in Jesus Christ. But the reality is none of them can succeed because Jesus is risen. Now you can let them. But Jesus is still risen from the dead, and your faith in Jesus is secure because he is not dead. If you're a guest here today, we want to welcome you. We are excited about the privilege that we have to worship the risen Savior. We are excited about this celebration that we have today. How many of you feel like this is a celebration this morning? I feel like this is a celebration. Let me tell you what we're celebrating. We're celebrating the fact that Jesus is alive. All right, we're celebrating the fact that the one who we serve, the one with whom our trust is placed, is not dead. He is now and for all eternity seated at the right hand of the throne of God. This is a celebration, and we are so glad that you were a part of that. In your bulletin, there's a fill-in-the-blank sermon outline, and uh, now would be a good time for you to grab that. That's going to help you uh, take down some key concepts, get some notes down from my sermon. This past month, throughout the month of March, we were talking about the miracles of Jesus and the things that we learn from Jesus miracles, and there's this one idea that we keep coming back to. There's one idea that we keep coming back to, and it's this. A miracle is always about more than the action we see. Miracle is always about more than the action we see. I'm going to go back to the Old Testament to illustrate my point for you, okay? Um, Moses is out walking around with some sheep on the side of a mountain, and he sees a bush that is on fire, uh, but it's not burning up. It's not being consumed. How many of you think that's a miracle? It's not a trick question. I just like audience participation, okay? Uh, That's a miracle. It's a biblical miracle, but it's about more than God saying, hey, look at this cool thing I can do. That's not what God's after. He was getting Moses' attention there, but it was about more than a burning bush. That was about God saying, Moses, I want you to rescue my people from slavery in Egypt. I want you to get them out of there and take them to a land that I have promised. This was always, a miracle is always about more than the action we see. You know, Jesus healed a lot of people during his earthly ministry. He really did. He healed the crippled, he healed the deaf, he healed the blind, the mute, the leper, the sick, even the dead. And it was always about more than the action we saw. You see, Jesus healed people physically to prove that he could heal people spiritually. Jesus healed people physically to prove that he could heal people spiritually. Let me show you what this looks like. In the Gospel of Mark, chapter 2, uh, there is a crippled man who comes to see Jesus and four of his friends lower him through the roof because they can't get through the crowd. And when Jesus sees them, Jesus heals the crippled man. But before he allows the man to walk, what does he say? He says, my child, your sins are forgiven you. Jesus heals us physically to prove that he can heal spiritually. Today I want to look at one more miracle to study. Uh, we're going to look at the resurrection of Jesus from the dead, and we're going to look at what that means for us today. It's my favorite miracle, by the way. Um, so if you would open up your Bibles to John chapter twenty, we're going to start in verse one. Or if you'd prefer, I'll have all the text up here on the screen for you in the New Living Translation. So here we go. Early on Sunday morning, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. She ran and found Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and she said, they've taken the Lord's body out of the tomb and we don't know where they put him. I'm going to skip ahead to verse 11 now. Mary was standing outside the tomb crying, and as she wept, she stooped and looked in and she saw two white-robed angels, one sitting at the head and the other at the foot of the place where the body of Jesus had been lying. Dear woman, why are you crying? The angels asked her. Because they've taken away my Lord, she replied, and I don't know where they put him. She turned to leave, and she saw someone standing there, and it was Jesus, but she didn't recognize him yet. Dear woman, why are you crying? Jesus asked her, who are you looking for? She thought it was a gardener, and so she said, sir, if you've taken him away, please tell me where you put him, and I'm going to go get him. Mary, Mary, Jesus said. She turned to him and she cried out, she said, Rabbanai, which means good teacher. Don't cling to me, Jesus said, for I haven't yet ascended to the Father. But go and find my brothers and tell them I'm ascending to my Father and your Father and to my God and to your God. And Mary found the disciples and she told them, I've seen the Lord. And she gave them Jesus' message. Jesus is risen question i want to ask you today is so what you've all heard that jesus is risen from the dead you know that when you came to church today you'd hear a sermon about the resurrected jesus the question i want to ask is what difference does it make in your life today i want to tell you what it means I want to tell you the difference that the resurrection makes. I want to tell you the difference that it can make in your life by looking at the difference that the resurrection of Jesus made in the lives of three people who saw Jesus after his resurrection. And I want to start with Mary Magdalene. So, truly, on Sunday morning, Mary's headed to the tomb where Jesus is buried, and her goal is simple she's going to prepare Jesus' body to decay well. That's her goal. Right? She thinks that she's dealing with a dead man. And so she, she goes there and she finds an unusual sight. This giant stone is rolled away. That's unusual. There's supposed to be two guards there guarding it, making sure that nothing like this happened. She looks inside and she sees he's not there. And she runs and she gets Peter and John and she says, they've taken him. They've taken him. I don't know where he is. And after Peter and John run and they look in and they see that he's not there and they leave, Mary is sitting in the cemetery crying. And somebody says, why are you crying? Can I just make an observation here? When I'm at a cemetery and I see someone crying... I don't need to ask why they're crying. I've got a pretty good idea, right? They're not worried about the fact that Kansas lost last night. Is it too soon? It's too soon, isn't it? (laughs) They're not worried about Kansas. They're grieving the loss of someone they love. doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out why you're crying in a cemetery. Jesus knows why she's crying. We know why she's crying. She's crying because she's grieving the loss of someone she loves. She's grieving the loss of Jesus. She still thinks she's dealing with a dead man. It was Jesus who came and talked to her. Of course, she didn't recognize him. He said, dear woman, why are you crying? Who are you looking for? She thought he was a gardener, and so she said, sir, if you know where they've taken him, tell me, and I I can go get him. And all he had to do was say, Mary, Mary. And she turned around, and she cried out in joy. She said, "Rabbanai," which means good teacher or dear teacher. Don't cling to me, Jesus said. I haven't yet ascended to the Father, but go and find my brothers and tell them I'm ascending to my Father and your Father and to my God and to your God. And then Mary went, and she found him, and she told him. See, Mary was sitting there in the cemetery grieving because she thought she was dealing with a dead man. And Jesus brought hope to her on that day. It's what Jesus can do for us. Jesus can bring hope to those who grieve. Jesus can bring hope to those who grieve. Now, let's be, let's be real. Let's be honest together this morning, OK? Uh, is he going to bring your loved ones back to life? Probably not. Probably not, OK? Uh, but there's something better than that. There's a hope that extends past this life. And that's a relief to me. I don't know if that's a relief to you, but that's a relief to me to have a hope that extends past this life. Here's why. Because uh, one day, I will not be alive. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this. I'm going to be a Debbie Downer on your Easter this morning. Raise your hand if you're going to die one day. Enjoy your Easter. Let's close with a word of prayer. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, we're all going to die one day. Death is a reality for Each of us, here's the difference that Jesus makes when it comes to death. He gives us a hope that's greater than life. Because life will fail me. I hope. I hope it's going to be a few years down the line. But life is going to fail me. The resurrected Jesus will not. There's nothing wrong with enjoying life. But if all my hope and all my happiness and all my joy is tied up in my life, Well, guess what? One day, I'm not going to have my life anymore. Jesus gives us a hope that extends past this life. Here's what it looks like. Earlier in his ministry, Jesus got word that a good friend of his was dying. Later on, that he died. Of course, his friend's name is Lazarus. And by the time that Jesus gets there, Lazarus is good and dead. He's been dead for four days. And when he gets there, everybody's grieving and crying. In fact, Jesus has had a little bit of time grieving. And when he gets there, he has this conversation with Lazarus' sister, Martha. And Martha says, Lord, if only you had been here, if only you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. But even now, I know that God will do whatever you ask. Jesus told her, your brother will rise again. Yeah Martha said, "Yeah, yeah, I get it. I know. I know. No. Know. He'll rise when everyone else rises at the last day." Now, if the story ended there, that's not bad. That's not bad, right? That's a hope that extends past this life. Good. I'm glad for that. But Jesus takes Martha's statement and he builds on it. Jesus told her, "I am The resurrection and the life. Anybody who believes in me will live even after dying. And everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never, ever die. Do you believe this, Martha? See, Martha thought. Martha didn't do too bad. Martha thought that if Jesus had been there, her brother would be okay. Jesus says, no, because I exist, your brother will be okay. See, too often we do this. We get into a hard spot. We get into a jam. We get into a tricky situation. And we say, Jesus, I just need you to show up right now. Jesus, I I need you. Can you please just show up right now? Guess what? He already showed up. He already showed up. All we have to do is put our hope and our trust in him. And then even though our bodies will die, we will live This is the promise that all who belong to Christ cling to. That Jesus is the resurrection and the life. And that the one who believes in him will live even though their bodies die. This is a hope more powerful than life. This is a hope more powerful than death. This is hope in the creator of life and the redeemer of death. Are we going to die one day? Yeah. Yeah, we are. My hope isn't found in what happens here. My hope isn't found in what happens here or there. My hope isn't in what I can accomplish or, or what I can earn or how well people think of me. My hope isn't found in what I can accomplish or what can happen here. My hope is found in Jesus who is right now and for all eternity seated at the right hand of the throne of God. My hope is in Jesus, who will never fail me. Jesus brings hope to those who grieve. As long as your hope is in him. As long as your hope is in him. I want to pick back up in verse 19. We're going to go to a secret room, a locked door. That Sunday evening, the disciples were meeting behind locked doors because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. Suddenly, Jewish was st- Jesus was standing there among them. Peace be with you, he said. As he spoke, he showed them the wounds in his hand and in his side, and they were filled with joy when they saw the Lord. Again, he said, peace be with you, as the Father has sent me, so I send you. Then he breathed on them, and he said, receive the Holy Spirit. I'll ask you a question. Remember, I like, Participation. So feel free to to answer this question. Disciples, they're sitting in this upper room with the locked doors. What do you think they're feeling at that moment? What I hear? Scared? I heard some fear over here. Yeah, I my friend Lauren thought they were scared too. Right? They were fearful. Well, why are they scared? Well, because the rabbi that they've been following for three years was just very publicly, very horrifically executed. And they're going, We've been following this guy around for three years. And the question that's on all of their minds is, Am I next? They were afraid of so many things. They were afraid. Am I next? Am I going to be drugged from this room and nailed to a cross? Am I going to be called to explain why I follow Jesus? Am I going to be called a religious nutcase? Am I going to be made fun of? Am I going to have to stand opposed to what my friends think? Am I going to have to change my life? Am I going to make mistakes when I teach? Am I going to make mistakes as I lead? Am I going to be a good enough parent? Am I going to be a good enough husband? A good enough wife? Am I going to get better? Am I always going to feel this way? Am I always going to be lonely? Am I going to die? Am I living up to my potential? Am I going to find purpose? The disciples were afraid. The disciples were afraid that day behind locked doors. But they aren't the only ones that are afraid sometimes. Sometimes I'm afraid too. And I think sometimes you're afraid. But then Jesus walks into the room. But then Jesus walks into the room. Suddenly, Jesus was standing there among them and He said, Peace be with you. I want you to look at how the disciples responded. They were filled with joy when they saw the Lord. What was that, what was that emotion they were feeling just a few minutes ago? What was that called? Uh, some, fear. That's what it was. It was called fear. They were, they were afraid. They were filled with fear. Now look at this. They were filled with joy when they saw the Lord. Now we got blue at the top, and we got blue at the bottom. I want to show you what the black part doesn't say, because here's what here's what it doesn't say in that black text in the middle. Jesus doesn't walk in, and he doesn't say, "Hey guys, heard you've been having a spot of trouble. Afraid of the religious leaders. Afraid of the Romans." Just want you guys to worry I don't want you guys to worry. Don't panic. I took care of all that. It was just a simple misunderstanding. They didn't think I was God. Turns out I am. Okay? Right? And so everything's going to be fine now. I took care of it all. There's no hard feelings. Nobody's mad or anything. So, let's let's open the door. We'll go out and get a bite to eat. Everything's going to be fine. You guys don't need to worry. Does anybody see that there in the black text? You know why you don't see that? Because it doesn't say that. Jesus didn't take away their problems. You came in here this morning with some problems. And I'm sorry to tell you, you're probably going to leave with some problems. Those things you fear are still going to be there. He didn't say that to the disciples, and he doesn't say that to us either. The truth is, following Jesus is often harder than not following Jesus. But I guarantee it's worth it. So let me walk through those questions again with you, right? Am I going to be called to explain why I follow Jesus? I sure hope so. Am I going to be called a religious nutcase? Probably. Am I going to be made fun of? Yes. Weekly. By you. Am I going to have to stand opposed to what my friends think? Sometimes. Am I going to have to change my life? Daily. Am I going to make mistakes when I teach? Absolutely. Am I going to make mistakes as I lead? Yep. Am I going to be a good enough parent? I'm going to work as hard as I can at it. Am I going to be a good enough husband? I'm going to spend my whole life trying. Am I going to die? Am I going to die? Just the body, not the spirit. Am I going to find purpose? I already have one. Jesus said, as the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. My purpose in life My purpose in life is to tell people about the hope that I have in Jesus. Guess what? I spent a lot of time and a lot of energy looking for hope in places that don't have any. And I found it in Jesus. And my purpose in life is to tell people about the hope that I have in Him. As the Father has sent Jesus, so Jesus is sending me. I have a purpose, and I think you can have one too. So what difference does the resurrected Jesus make in your life? He brings hope to those who grieve. He brings hope to the fearful. and one more thing, He brings hope to the doubter. He brings hope to the doubter. Let' pick back up in verse 24. Now Thomas, he was known as Didymus. He's one of the twelve. He wasn't with the disciples when Jesus came, so the other disciples told him, "You're never going to believe what happened. We've seen the Lord." And Thomas said, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my fingers where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I'm not going to believe that. Well, a week later, His disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them, though the doors are still locked. Notice, Jesus doesn't take away all their problems. It's a week after Jesus' resurrection, and the door's still locked because they're still afraid of the religious leaders, but now there's a difference. They're filled with joy because their hope isn't in their life, their hope is in Jesus. Door's still locked. Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, put your fingers here. See my hands. Reach out and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. And Thomas said to him, my Lord and my God. In other words, it's you. I do believe. Thomas brought a lot of doubts to the table. He brought a lot of doubts to the table. How could Jesus be alive? I'm I'm not going to believe that until I see it. How could Jesus possibly be alive? Everybody knows what happens when you die. You stay dead. I can't believe that. Some of us have doubts too. Like Thomas, we wonder, how could Jesus be alive? How could I know if that's true? We wonder, does Christianity really even make sense? I get it. Those are difficult questions to work through. And I know some of you feel the weight of those questions on your shoulders very squarely right now. We want to help you with that. So over the next six weeks, we're going to be doing a new sermon series. It's called Room for Doubt. It's going to be all about answering the tough questions that we have in faith. All right, we're going to answer questions like uh, If God is good, how come there's so much pain and tragedy in the world? Maybe you've wondered that before. I have. If God is love, why does He allow people to go to hell? I don't like that. Maybe you've wondered that before. I have. If, If God, I'm sorry, how do we know that the Bible is true? Maybe you've wondered that. I have. Can we really say that Jesus is the only way? That seems a little intolerant. Maybe you've wondered that. I have. If you have doubts, I want to encourage you to join us over the next six weeks as we face doubt together. I encourage you to face that with us, right? You can be content with your doubt or you can search for truth. And we want to search for truth with you. You know, there's this one other doubt that a lot of people have. It goes like this. Am I good enough for God? I've done a lot of bad things and I think if God knows about them, he's not going to be interested in somebody like me. He'll be interested in better people. He'll be interested in church people who are already pretty good. Am I good enough for God? Well, the Bible gives a pretty clear answer to that question. The answer is no. No, you're not good enough for God. But Jesus is. But Jesus is. See, there's that verse in the Bible that we all know. It goes like this, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. Let me tell you what that verse means. It means that God knew that none of us were good enough, so he sent the only one who was good enough to make all of us good enough. And it starts with believing that the resurrection of Jesus can make a difference in your life. And the resurrection does make a difference in your life. If you're grieving, the resurrection gives hope. If you're fearful, the resurrection gives hope. If you have doubts, the resurrection gives hope. It makes a difference in your life today just as much as it did 2,000 years ago. So there's this book called Experiencing the Resurrection by Henry Blackaby tells the story of an African Muslim man who became a Christian. And after he did, his friend said, Why would you become a Christian? That's a terrible idea. Do you know where we live? You can be killed for that. And the man said, Well, it's like this. Suppose we're going down the road, and suddenly the road forks in two directions, and you didn't know which way to go. But conveniently, there at the fork are two men. One of them's dead, and one of them's alive. Which one are you going to ask? That's the difference that Jesus makes. He's alive. I'm going to put my trust in somebody. I'm going to put my trust in somebody who's alive, like Jesus. And that's what we're here to celebrate today, church, that Christ is risen, and that we can confidently say he is risen indeed. It makes all the difference in our lives today. I want to close my sermon just a little bit differently today. If you're a regular around here, you know that uh, we do something that I'm really passionate about. We like to celebrate. We like to celebrate things. And so whenever somebody uh, becomes a member of Mount Tabor Christian Church, what do we do? We give them a standing ovation. and, And whenever somebody is baptized at Mount Tabor Christian Church, what do we do? We give Him a standing ovation. Well, today, I want to do something a little bit differently. I want to give Jesus that standing ovation. So if you would, rise to your feet, okay? We're going to give Jesus a standing ovation because He is worthy. Because He's worthy of all of our praise. Because He's holy. Because He's head of the church. Because He is seated at the right hand of the throne of God forever and ever. Because He is risen. Because He is Lord. We are going to give Him this standing ovation because He is Jesus, our Redeemer. Would you pray with me? Our Father who is in heaven, holy, holy, holy is your name. Your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God, we ask you today for our daily bread. We ask only for what we need to live and serve in your kingdom, and we praise you for what you've blessed us with beyond that. God, we ask that you lead us not into temptation but into service in your holy kingdom. God, yours alone is the kingdom and the glory and the power forever and ever, and we are your servants. And We pray this in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who is risen. Amen.